Well, good morning. Welcome back to Let's Open the Bible on this hump day. Guess what day it is? It's hump day. Hmm. Uh, it's Russ and Gavin here today. It's great to be with you. You doing good, Gavin? I'm doing well. Are you getting your spot I, over there? Am I doing good or am I doing well? I'm doing well for sure. Uh, I hope that by the power of the Spirit, we're also doing good. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> so sounds spiritual. It sounds so good. <laughs> sounds good. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Gavin, if you want to, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 10, and uh, I think Gavin's going to read verses 3 through 6 for us in just a moment. But first, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today, and Lord, for your love and grace always. Lord, for the sufficiency of your word to guide us in all truth. And uh, Lord, I, I pray that as we, uh, as we open this word, Father, that you would guide us and direct us. Uh, Father, that you would be glorified ultimately by the, uh, by the outcome, uh, by the outflowing of, of the fruits of the Spirit, Lord, uh, that, uh, again, that you'd just be glorified. So we love you, Father, and praise you, and we ask this in Christ's name. 2 Corinthians 10, Gavin. All right. Uh, for we walk in the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Yeah, boy, that's a... That's a rich, rich passage, uh, just a, a lot there. I, I really like uh, now the um, passage talks about uh, destroying strongholds. Uh, there's a lot that we can talk about there. Certainly we're, we're dealing with uh, in this season, this fall season, as, as many churches have had their fall festival and the Halloween thing and all of that. And we've been talking this week about some Christian liberty stuff, but more specifically in the spiritual realm, the, the, the spiritual battles that take place that are, you know, kind of, we're not privy to see beyond the veil. And, you know, we looked at the second Kings passage earlier this week about the angel armies. And there's a very real spiritual realm that, that many of us are maybe ignorant of or discount or discredit or whatever it is, just because we can't see those things. Nonetheless, we see repeatedly in scripture, uh, the fact that we are in a spiritual battle, mm -hmm. all of us every day, uh, are facing um, the spiritual battle, but we, we're not. We don't have to face that spiritual battle on our own. We have uh, a weapon. Sure, word, prayer, uh, the power of God, God in us, uh, all of those things. But but let, let's start with with what gets us off track that needs to be addressed by the word. So I, I would say it is the word, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, depending on your eschatology, I'm not unaware that there are varying views of eschatology, uh, and um, the devil, let's just include all demonic activity. Yeah. All right? So regardless of where you stand, stand eschatologically, there is there continues to be demonic activity. Right. Okay. And, and I, think, I think one of the things that people maybe, I don't know how aware they are, so Satan is not like God. He is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. Right. Uh, he is somewhere, right? But he's not everywhere. He does have uh, fallen. There are fallen angels. Right. There are demons. Right. So it's not that there's a you know there's it's not that there's not a presence of evil in most corners of the world. It's that he Satan himself 
may not necessarily be there. The battle you're facing may be with evil, uh, is certainly spiritual in nature. Well, that that's a universal truth, regardless of your eschatological position. But some people believe that even now the, that Satan himself is bound. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so what you're saying is, regardless of your eschatological position, uh, I'm sh- I'm sure they exist, but I don't know anybody that believes in the omnipresence or ubiquity of of the devil. That he is everywhere. That he is like God. That he, you know, where can you flee from his presence? That that's I don't know. I'm sure they are, and maybe somebody could call us or text us. Maybe there's a whole denomination. I'm just not aware of anybody. Uh, I don't know of anybody personally that believes that the devil is everywhere. Right. So you would say some that's that's a universal belief that the right. devil fairly. Well accepted, but as far as eschatology, some people believe that the devil is already bound for a thousand years, literally or even figuratively, some type of amillennial thousand years. Which is interesting to me that somebody would have that view in light of the gratuitous evil that we see in the world. Well, but here again, if the devil's not everywhere, there's enough evil by demonic activity and by the the world, the flesh. And the devil all conspired that there's enough to keep us busy. L- let me tell you this. I know this. My own flesh is enough to keep me busy, right? Yeah. So, so you, you go to Romans 8, uh, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For the To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So those fleshly thoughts, or even if you're not saved, if you're not a new creation, you are consumed in the flesh. You That's that's what you have. That's all you've got. I mean, you've got this, this innate desire against God in you. It's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. I'm not making this stuff up. It's Romans 8. So that's one of the things. The flesh needs to be addressed by God's word. Yes. Right? Then, whether it's the devil himself or demonic activity in this world, and, and we'll just say that we don't have to flesh that out eschatologically. And eschatology, the study of last things, right? The end times, stuff like that. There are so many various beliefs by godly men. They disagree. This isn't, you know, somebody that has a, you know, an outlandish position that they hold to. These are godly good men that love the word, that break it down differently. So, you know, you have your premillennialist, your amillennialist, your postmillennialist, um, that cling to different verses and struggle with different verses and end up in different places. We're going to leave that alone. I don't even know why I went down that rabbit hole. But but so you have the flesh that needs to be addressed by God's word, right? So that we are to put to death the deeds of the body by the power of the spirit. Well, this Mortification. Mortification of sin, absolutely. And uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, we attack those things uh, by the word of God, which provokes God, the Spirit, Him inside of us to deal with those things. So the flesh needs to be addressed by the Word. Any demonic activity, greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. How does a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your your Word? You know, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That Word does a work against demonic activity as well. And that's uh, what we talked about yesterday. You know, the truth of God's Word overcomes evil. Right, right. And 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 I never want to leave out prayer. And ever we absolutely. we absolutely need yeah. to be a praying people praying against these things this this anything that leads you away from God we need to pray against but the, but the word so there's the and the world the world um, in Amos they talk uh, uh, about a plumb line 
that is set down against the wall, right? Yeah. How do you how do you know when you're drifting? How do you know when you're you're following after the world? You know, in, in a church setting, in a in a family setting, in in a community setting, in a political setting, how do you know whether you're following after God or the world? You got to have something that's straight to tell you where you have drifted. The plumb line is God's word. Amen. So that word of God that's sharper, uh, uh, quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and of the joints and marrow, that, that laser-sharp, precise sword that is able to discern you know, little nuances in our thinking and our actions and stuff like that. We, we need to employ that word in our hearts and in our lives. And, and by the way, it says, the, the last part of that uh, Hebrews 4.12 verse that I was just saying, and is a discerner, the word. Yes is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this word is not only a plumb line for the world, it's, it's, it's a precise instrument that can identify areas in our lives where we're drifting away from God or we're, we're neglecting yeah, well, such a great salvation. One of the really cool things, uh, and Gavin, I don't know, your miles may vary. See, dealer for details, never mind. I don't know why I went there, but your miles <laughs> may vary. As I read scripture on a daily basis. See, dealer for details. Yeah, all rebates assigned yeah. to the dealer, see, dealer for details. Um, as, as I read scripture on a daily basis, I can honestly say that not every day that I read scripture one, not every day I read scripture do I am and I'm am I necessarily focused on it. You know, sometimes my mind is over here and over there and I'm not really focused like I should be. Not every day when I get up to read scripture, uh, I want to, right? But I do it. It's a discipline. Sometimes when I read scripture, God gets my attention on a verse that maybe I've read a hundred times or a thousand times or whatever it is. Sometimes God gets my attention on a scripture, and it's as if the hand of God reaches uh, out of the page and just says, pay attention to this. And as I meditate on God's word, as I'm in, in that moment, and it happened today, as I'm thinking about God's word, it's doing a work in my heart and, and in my mind, and, and, and there's something taking place. But even when you don't feel that, God's word is amazing. It is living and breathing. That's the Hebrews passage you were talking about. We are empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And part of what the Holy Spirit does, among things, among many things, uh, maybe the most misunderstood uh, person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is as we're reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit is interacting with our mind and hearts. And it is he is teaching us. He is revealing things to us, new things. He's applying things. And there have been times I've, reading, I've read God's Word, and, and I have just felt a conviction over something. Well, what happened? Well, that, that is the living, breathing Word of God interacting with the Holy Spirit of God in me, uh, revealing something that, uh, that I needed to, to have revealed to me. And so the Word of God is absolutely amazing. Sure, and, and maybe just take this time because I know a lot of people say that every time I read the Bible, there's a new meaning. And I want to kind of just uh, caution us against that, that terminology. There is... You know, the new application, maybe. New application, right. There's one interpretation, many applications. Yeah. Um, polyvalence is something I don't understand in terms of the chemicals. It's, it's, it, it, it can bond with many different components and it, it can address chemically different things. I think maybe that's how I would look at the word that it has one interpretation, but it bonds to many different things in my life and it, 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 it can be applied kind of 
attaches to those things and deals with those in a very different way. Um, does that make any sense? Yeah, polyvalence. I learned something today. I've never heard of that before. Well, it's a, I thought it's you were a, talking about a person. It's an ochem word. It's a chemist, a word for in chemistry, so I don't really understand it. Okay, well, appreciate you bringing that to the table. Let's <laughs> talk more about know. things you don't know. One of my favorite, favorite uh, lines ever, uh, I had a church member send me a, a little meme that said, I often use big words that I don't understand, so I sound more photosynthesis. <laughs> <laughs> okie dokie yeah okie dokie that's what you said yeah that is what you said the that other is what i just that's said what, yeah i know but uh there there's an inside joke <laughs> thank there, you for maybe. paying attention yes we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of god and take every thought captive to obey christ okay l- let's back up who's this to it's the church at corinth right yes so, so presumably they were a hot mess yeah they were a hot mess but you know He's, and when he says test yourself, he's, he's confident that they're you know going to find Christ in them. So maybe rhetorically, at least rhetorically, maybe even practically, Paul believes them to be believers, right? Yes. Well, he calls them brothers. Sure. Maybe maybe because he's not in a position where he can really call out their lostness. But but regardless, at least he is w- operating uh, rhetorically as if they're believers. So this is to believers where you have mental strongholds that resist God, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is incumbent on Scripture itself to break down those walls of hostility. I know I'm kind of... No, I think that's good because I think so often the strongholds that we have are mental. No, well, that's that's exactly what they are here. But I'm importing an idea from Ephesians two that you know breaking down those walls of hostility that Christ does yeah. in terms of you know people that are alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. I'm importing some of that language in here. But but it 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 is that we there are areas of hostility, and there is a warfare going on. So he's using very militaristic language to talk about a warfare. And then he's saying, like, we destroy arguments and opinions. There, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's right. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee, right? Is that so? So you have areas of your life in your mind that you think things incorrectly and they affect your entire life. So, you know, the, that's theology, the way that we think about God, praxeology, the way that we act. Uh, and, and then doxology, the way, that, the way that we worship. And they all kind of influence one another. And so you, it starts with the mind. That's why good news, the good news, the gospel, the the euangelion, the good news is good information. It starts with information. Yeah. You have to attack these ideas, these bad ways of thinking, and you do it according to the word of God. Yes. That the word of God is going to take these thoughts captive. Yes. You're going to think... that's. You know, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Man, you have to change the way you think. Yeah. You're thinking all wrong. Got some stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. Smells. Yeah. And and that is, I mean, that is the crux of the problem. As you said, you know, we, we were talking earlier about wearing coats and ties and suits and different things that we fall into these trappings. That, that this legalistic mindset that we have to look a certain way. 
So, uh, and, and that's just some bad thinking. Well, it's bad thinking, but I want to I want to pull back from just necessarily legalistic thinking because some people don't think that you wear suit and ties to be meritorious to God, you know, so so that you're not earning salvation or you're not you know you're not deserving of judgment because you wear the wrong things. It's it's just um, I want to I, I would back up and say okay, what informs what you wear? What informs what you wear? I think this passage would say that the scripture needs to inform what is right and what is wrong. And in this warfare against God, we need to we need to take every thought captive. That renewed mind is to think Holy Spirit wrought thoughts. And the Holy Spirit, um, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, utilizes, that may be a really bad word, the word to provoke us, right? So the Holy Spirit and the word have this inextricable relationship, he, the Holy Spirit, and the Word, uh, to attack these strongholds in our thinking. Now, so what informs your thinking about what you wear? So when I go on a Sunday morning to put on a suit and a tie, what informs that thinking? Is it tradition? Right. Maybe. Is it, this is the best I have? So it's not tradition that informs this. This is just my way of honoring God. I would walk through each of those steps and and take it back to God's word. And then we get back to on the essentials unity, on the non-essentials liberty, and in all things charity. So, but 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 what shapes your conscience? It should be God's word. What shapes your what identifies areas that you resist God, where you won't surrender to God, and every last one of us has them. It's got to be God's word. So then we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Yes. Amen. That that precise word that is able to break down these walls of hostility and, and let it attack. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the word's got to be supreme. It's got to be preeminent because it is sufficient. And then, and then the other thing is that, that really stands out. So we, I think we've worked through the weapons. It's, it's militaristic. They're not of the flesh. We're not people out there fist fighting for our beliefs. The, the tools of a pastor, the tools of a Christian are thought tools. They're the word that we are to bring the word to bear on every situation. Um, so we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion. The things that are hindering us from God uh, are start in the mind, uh, flow into our beliefs, uh, and, and then into our actions. Um, and then against the knowledge of God, so, so God, again, is, is the goal and uh, his word. And then we take every, and I'm going to add a word, single thought captive to obey Christ. That is a high standard. Yes. Yeah. One we fall short on. Amen. The cross is good. Well, Gavin, I think that's all the time we have for today. As always, we left a lot here yes. uh, for people, so please chew on this, meditate on this, continue to open your Bible. Join us again tomorrow as we continue to open our Bibles. Until then, God bless.